This is Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. My guest today is the extraordinary vocal stylist, Ginger Commodore. Since starting her career with the three-time Grammy award-winning Sounds of Blackness, Ginger has had an illustrious career. She was an original member of the Twin City legendary vocal jazz ensemble More by Four and the fabulous Women Who Cook. She has graced most of the major stages in the Twin Cities as an actress and singer. Penumbra, the Chanhassen, and Orchestra Hall are just a few. Ginger has international chops as well, having toured extensively throughout her life. Not only an in-demand regular at the renowned Dakota in Minneapolis, Ginger's solo stylings continue to captivate audiences far and wide, including right here tonight at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater. It's time to get some details. It's time to talk with Ginger Commodore. Welcome, Ginger, to Musician Talk. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks it is for such an honor to have you on. It really is. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for wanting to hear a little bit of my story. <laughs> I do, I do, and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm really also looking forward to your show tonight at the Northfield Arts Guild. It's a sold-out show, folks. I'm so sorry. Sold-out is always good. <laughs> it is. It, and not so much for the people that don't have tickets, but the uh, rest of us are very happy yeah, about it. So much. <laughs> good. Well, Ooh. let's just dig right in. I'm really interested in finding out about your early years. And what's your first memory of singing? Well, I've always been one of those uh, around the house singers and, uh, you know, that's how I learned uh, was beginning to copy, of course, the, the recordings. But when I got more serious about it was probably uh, during my high school years. I had a, a teacher that became my mentor and started me with lessons and uh, introducing me to various types of music uh, other than R&B. So uh, that's kind of how. So you were listening to mostly R&B at home? Yeah, you know, whenever Aretha had an album come out, I was right there at the record store to get it. Were your parents musicians? No, not particularly. Uh, we had a, a record store uh, in the family, and so we had access to uh, the latest uh, music. Um, of course, I was very young, but I, I know that that was a hubbub of uh, the neighborhood and, and the community to uh, go to the record store and, and get your get your new records. And we listened to music around the house, and but that was about it. And uh, how about church in, in the early years? Yeah, um, probably even a little later uh, for me, uh, for church, of course, there were always the uh, Sunday school programs that I was a part of, but as far as soloing and getting more involved um, with the harmonics of, of a choir uh, really didn't happen until I was in college and um, uh, joined uh, a church that had, Pilgrim Baptist Church, that had a um, an amazing choir and choir director, uh, J.D. Steele, and so that's really when I, I did more um, choir singing in church. Got it. Where did you go to college? Augsburg. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So let's go back, take one step back to high school and this mentor that you had. 
I was one of the first to be able to join uh, the choir as a, a freshman. You always were supposed to wait that first year, and then you could get into the choir. Well, I got in the first year and um, started learning and and um, started my music theory um, training and uh, realizing, you know, songs that he gave me at so for solos for our competitions, for juries, and all of that um, were, you know, more classically tinged. And um, so those were the kinds of songs he was introducing me to and uh, gave me my first uh, voice lessons. We we hit it off well, and I I continued to uh, be in contact with him through the years. He passed away about a year or so ago. Probably a couple of years before that was the last time that I saw him in person. And, you know, we always had, uh, you know, conversation. He was always asking how I was doing, what I was doing. And he took interest in the things that I could do and offered me opportunities to perform music. Um, uh, That was a stretch for me. So it was really great. It's amazing these mentors that I've, out of the interviews that I've done and how, mm-hmm. how pivotal yeah. one person can be and, and like, like change the direction of your life completely. I mean, I know we, you can kind of think of that, that happens in theory, but talking to people time and time again, how it happens in real life and how we can touch people's lives in such a meaningful and profound way when we take an interest. Oh, exactly. And I, you know, I remember each of the music, steps uh, that I took in my career, um, there has always been, you know, someone who took a liking to uh, the way I presented a song or, um, you know, there was Gary Hines with the Sounds of Blackness and there was um, uh, Sanford Moore with More by Four and uh, a gospel group that I was a part of, Sam Davis. Um, I was always able to make a, a really nice uh, familial uh, connection right. so that we always, um, you know, stayed in contact and, and knew each other's music and the way uh, we present ourselves. They just uh, seem to uh, mesh. Well, I want you to walk me through with when you started with Sounds of Blackness and kind of move mm-hmm. forward with that. But I do want to also ask you about theory. You have such command of your voice, and I got to believe that a lot of this is is natural, and 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 a ton of it is hard work, and I know that too. The things that you can do with notes um, to me is a little bit of a black hole because I I can't do it, <laughs> and um, and particularly with the improvising, right? And I know that theory is, as I understand it, extremely important in understanding how to do theory and how to do imp- sing improv or play improv. And so um, could you take me a little bit through how, how learning, starting to learn that theory, how that impacted how you sang? Well, I think that it, it, it impacted a, a huge amount when I was in high school. And one of the things that uh, Mr. Lydell uh, did was to introduce us to theory. So he started music theory class zero hour we had to be there at 7 30 <laughs> and um there were just a handful of us and um but he said you need to know these things if you're going to further yourself um in in a music career 
and I was good at it, and I took those things in. And when I got to Augsburg, I can't imagine not having known what I knew just starting out as a freshman there because it's like it's it started theory class started in the the next step you know from from where I was at Jim Johnson uh was the assistant to the department and he you know took me under his wing and we you know we worked on theory and we worked on choir and we worked on presentation and it was an interesting situation for me because the choir director, uh, Dr. Saturn, um, the head of the department, um, didn't really understand or um, really care too much about uh, a, vo- a voice that had a, a pretty, you know, a wider than usual maybe vibrato. And uh-huh. so it's always a challenge. Um, but we worked, you know, we worked through it, um, and and I wasn't alone. But it was definitely a, a challenge uh, for a handful of us. Uh, you know, we had to work like the Dickens to get into that choir, and we had to learn purity, and it it was just, you know, an interesting situation. But I I learned a lot when I got the call from uh, Philip Brunel that he needed someone to uh, sing in a premiere. Uh, that was happening over at, I think, St. Kate's. And, you know, would I be able to to handle this part? And I'm like, listen, I started uh, Opera 101, like, last week. And so <laughs> I know down, I know downstage, upstage, left, right. I know how to read and I know how to, to, to follow those directions. But, you know, because of the, the way that I had you know, processed my learning experience, then I was able to kind of step in and do some things. And it it was the beginning of, of the chances that I took. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Philip Brunel called you to be in an opera? Yeah, there was a premiere that was going on happening. And it, it called for a black female um, singer. And there was no one available at that time. And like I was still in college and I was just learning and and that, but I had worked with him before, and so he called and said, "Could I do it?" And I said, "Oh my gosh, I yeah. had no idea if I if I could do that." But I did it. It was called "A Death in the Family." It was a premiere. It had a lot of issues with it as well, language and you know, uh, of course, the way. Um, uh, African Americans were portrayed and and um, that sort of thing. So we worked through a whole lot of things, but it was a, a learning experience for me. Uh, that sounds like for for the for the playwright as well, perhaps. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. We definitely had some conversations. Yeah. You know, I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Right, right. <laughs> out something else so yeah we we worked it through good and good for you at that age to be able to speak your mind that's well it was hard yeah it was hard wasn't you know wasn't easily accepted but we worked our way through it good and Mm -hmm. yeah risk taker wow I mean I don't know it seems like a a lot heavier lift to be able (laughs) to step in for an opera than to you know could you sing us up a couple songs at the Dakota it it was 
was an experience, yeah. but I, that's how I learned. Um, uh, it came in handy with my musical theater because I, I had a step up on, on uh, what to do, how to do it, you know, when to take notes, when to, you know, to memorize, when to blah, 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 the blocking. Yeah. This, that. So it, it was my first step. So when did you start singing with Sounds of Black this? Was that after this? Well, actually, it was shortly after this. Yeah, shortly after that, um, I had seen them perform, and I remember going home and saying, "I want to be in that group." And um, but I didn't have the slightest idea how you know how to get there or what to do or whatever. So uh, finally, I figured it out, and they asked me to come in and audition and that at that time there were probably about oh maybe 50 or 60 singers in the group and um yeah our soprano section was like 20 strong and I went in for the audition and ended up singing every song I ever ever knew or because they just wanted me to keep singing, keep singing. Oh, do you know this? Oh, do you know this? And I, I did, and and I did that. We did that all night. That's a great audition. More, more, please, more. <laughs> well, and and it's so funny because um, one of the uh, things that the Sounds of Blackness did at that time, we were uh, in a lot of choral um, competitions um, because uh, we practiced and were affiliated with McAllister College and they were part of a roster um, that got invited to the uh, Southern uh, Gospel uh, competitions and so um, it just it, it was so funny because one of the times we went there I think it was actually the first time we went there uh, to compete we ended up singing every song that we knew because they would not let us leave the stage. And finally, we're like, don't know any more songs. <laughs> That's fabulous. So how long were you with uh, Sounds of Blackness? Oh, it was a good long time, probably 15 years, maybe. And you, was, do you do other gigs during that time? Uh, not yet. Not mm-hmm. really yet. Unless there were some special um, performances, like at, uh, for uh, MLK Day or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it really wasn't until I, um, got with more by four where I really started to do some of my own solo work. I was married, had a family and was asked to be part of more by four all within a short period of time. And I needed to decide if I could continue working with a community choir, uh, that didn't get paid (laughs) or, with a group, uh, More by Four, uh, which got paid for their performances. So I made that decision uh, after about 15 years or so, and I, I, I cut that, had to cut that loose at that time. Yeah, well, uh, uh, the world is happy that you did that because, wow, More by Four would not be More by Four without Ginger Commodore, that's for sure, I say. Um, it makes a difference, uh, the kind of singing that you're able to do with More by Four, you really have to be a part singer, and everybody's not a part singer. Right. Right. And well, many soloists particularly aren't part singers. Yeah. It, oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. So um, that that made a, a big difference, and, and one of the reasons why I was glad 
another reason why I was glad to be uh, with More by Four, because a lot of our arrangements, Sanford allowed us to, uh, you know, he, of course, was the arranger. But when we had step out lines, we could make those ourselves. So, you know, that gave us an opportunity to kind of be ourselves and, and have a solo moment where in most choirs you wouldn't be able to do that or more, most groups and small ensembles. So that was always a plus for me. We just um, considered ourselves a vocal jazz ensemble, yeah, and uh, we dealt mostly with standards um, that are popular standards um, that Sanford did arrangements for. We started out uh, as a one-time thing. We got together to do one show, and so 25 oh, years really? years for it. Yeah, it was just going to be one one special event show. He put the group together. Uh, myself, uh, Javita Steele, Dennis Spears, and Sally Dworsky, and um, put that group together, and we did the show, and it was sold out, and then they asked us, well, would we could we come next weekend? And they said, yeah, we do that. And then they said, well, can you come next week? You know, we just kept doing that, and it was a new show each weekend. <laughs> Wow. So we would learn a new show Thursday and Friday, perform it Saturday night, uh, sometimes Friday night if they had, a, you know, a lot of people. It was just a small, uh, Ruby's was just a small venue. You know, it was mm-hmm. easy to fill it up, and, and they wanted more and more and more and more, which started our uh, relationship with uh, Mary Lear, Mary and Chuck Lear. Wow. What a great story. One gig turned into a, a lifetime of, of gigs. Wow. Exactly what happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to some more of your pro- professional work, but I want okay. to introduce the first song. Okay. And, um, this is, the song's called Your Music, and it's, you wrote it? I did. It's You Are the Music. <laughs> One night one night something you know uh, melodies uh, affect me and uh, some some melody uh, something I was listening to led me to to the melody uh, and the lyrics just came blah 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 it's the first time that had ever happened blah 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 I just sat down I wrote that song probably in an hour wow. and, um, yeah and it was you know I, I was it, it was a little different than what I thought that I would, you know, the way I would express myself. But then everybody liked it. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Okay. Well, okay. All right. So it, it has definitely become uh, one of my favorites. And apparently it's a fan favorite as well. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, um, it's smooth and effortless and instantly it hits your heart. I guess that's what I want to say. It instantly, right away you just go, Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, and the words are fabulous. That that metaphor of you are the music and all, all that you did. You didn't turn it into just a cliche, exactly. right? Every line, I'm like, yes, that, yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want somebody to write this song about me. <laughs> there you go. And it really wasn't. You know, I've been married for 47 years, so it is. It, you know, I have I have a lot of of, of input uh, to be able to put into those words, but it really wasn't about that. It really wasn't about that. It was just about the feeling of um, of how a person makes you feel. Yeah, 
And so it was as simple as that. It it didn't have to be, you know, lovey-dovey. It didn't have to be, you know, whatever. But it, it the words speak for themselves. You're right. I was thinking in a romantic sense, but you're yeah. right. It's, it's when I'm thinking out through the words in my head, I, I, it's a universal love. It could be about yes. any kind of love it, and about somebody making you want to sing and feeling like, yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, uh, before we listen to it, why don't you let me know who's playing what on this track? Lee Blasky on piano. Um, Mark Weisberg on bass and my husband playing uh, drums, Bobby Commodore. So it's the original crew is is performing on this track. They'll be with me tonight. Yes. Yay. Yes. Yay. So you get a little taste of not only I'll, Ginger on the show today, but you get a, a taste of the whole combo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, all right. So here it is. You are the music written by my guest today, Ginger Commodore, and sung by her, too. Here it is.
This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. My guest today is the fabulous singer extraordinaire Ginger Commodore. You just heard her sing her original song called You Are the Music. As I said before, I, 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 the, the, it kind of takes you on a, a love journey. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. It's like you just want to feel those feelings, and it, 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 it hits your heart. It really does. Thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Let's continue with your journey. So you were you were with Sounds of Blackness for 15 years. Then um, you started a family uh, mm-hmm. and joined More by Four around the same time. This group has one gig that turns into multiple gigs at Ruby's. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then what happened? I mean, you went from that to I don't know how long it took, but you're touring internationally. And why don't you take us on a little More by Four mini journey of some highlights and how, how it kind of took off we had an agent um that was in new york that booked us internationally and our first um trip out uh was to finland to the espu jazz festival and um then we went on tour to uh the umbria uh jazz festival Lowell Pickett ended up being our our road manager, and um, he knew a lot of folks, and we mixed and mingled with a lot of people, and um, we we got around for about three weeks or so, and uh, we met a lot of jazz artists. Um, you know, we were on the show with uh, Carmen McRae and with George Benson and with Miles Davis and. Um, I could go on and on um, who were at this uh, festival. You know, we, we did some, we did some touring um, and they were very, you know, helpful to us. We, we got into some other jazz festivals back here at home and, and um, we just kind of blossomed after that. We, we fell into a really nice uh, pocket of holiday uh, concerts uh, that were at Orchestra Hall, the Fitzgerald mm-hmm. Theater. We never did the Ordway, but uh, uh, Orchestra Hall, we would sell out. Those are thousands of seats, <laughs> you know, yes. um, and folks really did uh, look forward to it each year. And it, you know, we were sad to not be able to keep those things going, but um yeah, they kind of ran their course, and people still will come up, are you guys ever going to do? And I'm like, um, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I guess it's possible. Wrangle a couple thousand of your friends, absolutely. Exactly. You, you have had um, some Christmas shows, like, up at Crooners, so the, the the journey isn't over, certainly. The journey is not over. It's uh, everyone has diversified. Yeah. Uh, for logical, normal, logical reasons. Um, just uh, as a growing experience uh, musically, um, you got to do different stuff. You, you just got to do different stuff to keep a core group together when everybody is, is trying to, you know, manage their own musicality. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and as you age, as we age, Yep. Those things change what you what you want to oh, focus on and, and sometimes. Yeah. And it's well, good. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Right. Talk about sure. growth, right? If we want to have growth. Mm-hmm. So when did you start doing a solo gig? Uh, how many years ago would you say? Oh, 
Uh, it's probably been within the last mm, 10, 10 years. I, I really did not focus on solo act um, while I, uh, my two children were going to private school and I had a full-time job. My husband had a full-time job. And wow. so, you know, I had to kind of ease things in when I could. And um, <laughs> they tease me now because I retired from my full-time job about five years ago. Uh, except now I seem to be busier than I ever was before. And my family just gives me all kinds of grief about it. You know, I got tired. Well, I did from my nine to five, but it appears that my solo career is taking off. So here we go. Right. And, and speaking of which, Ginger, <clears throat> Ginger got a hold of me and says, is it okay if, um, if Bobby checks the mic for, for our sound check? Because oh, I just got a call from the Timberwolves to sing the national anthem. And is that going to be a problem tonight? You know, I'll get there in time, no problem, but not for well, sound I, check. You know, I'm like, oh, no, say no to the Timberwolves. You can't. Well, no. <laughs> That's I, so fabulous. I, I would have done that if it if it seemed if you said you know that makes me a little nervous. Oh, that thanks. If you and and it helps that you know you know the business and you know me and yeah. you you know that I'm I'm you know I'm not trying to slight anything or anyone and I will give my best and all to the show. So yeah, nice. the really funny thing is. I'm also helping my friend um, Lori Dawkin out at uh, Unity Church on Sunday morning. And she called and asked, and I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. I've, I've got a show in the evening. So, yeah, that's no problem. We can do Sunday morning. So, so you know, tonight I will have performed like three times before I get <laughs> You'll be all warmed up, no problem. Yeah, warmed up, exactly. <laughs> Folks, just so you know, Laurie Dockett is part of Three, the group Three, which is yeah. playing is the uh, the last show of the 411 concert series at the Northville yeah. Archfield in May. So, yeah. cool. she's fabulous. And you guys do tribute we shows do. together. We do. You know, it, it honestly started when there was kind of a season of uh, our greats, our jazz greats, um, leaving oh. the earth. And... Um, I, you know, it, it happened so, and I won't say just jazz because actually it probably started with Aretha when she passed away and she was such a strong influence in my, my musical upbringing and, and the way I processed and learned things. Uh, I wanted to pay tribute to her and um, Lowell was uh, happy to uh, let me use the Dakota to uh, do that first uh, tribute uh, to Aretha and then of course then people wanted again and again and I'm like well okay and then someone else you know passed away and then it was someone else and someone else and these things just kind of snowballed and it kept happening I'm like oh my goodness okay and so I really got into a lot of tribute shows and um, we were happy to be able to do Stevie Wonder uh, he hadn't passed away. He was still alive and still cooking. But we did uh, many uh, tribute shows uh, in his honor, and folks just seemed to enjoy, you know, reliving his music. So mm -hmm. one thing led to another, and it just kept rolling. Well, I'm so happy that you're busy, and I hope you're not too busy. I hope you're, I hope you're really able to enjoy it without kind of going crazy. Well, it gets it. It can get get a little heavy. I, 
you know, holiday season gets a, a little heavy and then right after that is usually when my um, teaching kicks into gear because I'm, I'm a teaching artist with vocal lessons um, music uh, program and um, the schools, we go into the schools, there are eight of us that go into schools and work different projects um, with the students fourth through twelfth grade and um, that kicks in usually about the first week of January so I, I get kind of slammed in December yeah. and January, and then I can kind of spread it out a bit. There's so much we haven't touched on. You, you've had such an accom- accomplished and varied career. But we need to move on, sadly. Sure. So I want to move on to our, the second song, which is mm-hmm. called Save Your Love for Me. Oh, sure. Um, I'm so glad that you sent this song because I have talked about improv singing because I can't do it. So I seem to like focus on it. My listeners will know. It's like, oh, she's talking about that again. Um, And and this end of this song. So we're going to play the whole thing. It's a 10 minute song because the end is shows exactly what I'm talking about because you are the master of this. So you're trading with the piano, you're trading with the bass, you're trading with the, with the, with the drums and you're matching each other. And it's just a delight. Why did you pick this song? to play today it's one of my favorites and it's vocally by an artist that i absolutely have adored and loved uh through the years uh, nancy wilson and she and i are kind of um to me kindred spirits she she always wanted to be known as a music stylist and i agree with that i like that idea of um uh, stylized uh, singing yeah. uh, rather than, you know, saying, oh, she's a jazz singer or she's a this singer. No, she sings styles. Yeah. And um, that's what I think draw, draw, drew me to her uh, at first and uh, learned so much from her. I, um, you know, consider myself lucky that I have been able to um, meet and nice. I've a lot of the artists that have influenced my career mm. and um, she was one of them I got probably the last ticket in a at a club a small club that was crammed in people standing room only but somehow I got a ticket and just the most um, gracious soulful mm stylized person ever. I mean, I can conjure up that image right now of, wow. of what what that night was and what it meant. So, and I've had a lot of those um, moments uh, in, in my lifetime. Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here's my guest today, Ginger Commodore, singing Save Your Love For Me.
nothing in this world would do. Darling, please save your love for me.
Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. Today's guest is the Minnesota Music Hall of Famer, Ginger Commodore. You just heard her emotion and improv-filled dynamic version of Save Your Love for Me. Wow. It's so emotion-filled. Well, I'm moved a lot by melody. If I hear um, a certain thing going on, either in piano or the, the guitar or the bass or drum anything uh can send send me you know just have me in a different uh direction because it just feels like something more so than the lyrics <clears throat> yeah oh, wow. yeah i really am more moved by a melody than i am the lyrics cool. uh, which makes it interesting when writing because it can be um uh, something that i hear melodically that leads me in one direction or it can be that the the pattern of the words can lead me in a melodic direction that's really cool we have some upcoming shows including tonight at the northfield arts guild at 7 p.m well for all of you that have tickets good good on you and now you know ginger a little bit better and um you also have a jay young and the lyric factory gig coming up at the dakota on january 20th at uh, 7 p.m you know what? I love working um, with them uh, because of the variety of of music uh, that they present. Um, I love Jay's ear. He comes up with a show, and then I come in and um, and put you know whatever I can contribute uh, to that song. And uh, this time around, I'm actually uh, Jay has added my daughter Ashley, cool. so the two. Of are going to be on that show um, doing some some of Jay's arrangements of music in tribute to women who have pushed um, the musical genre uh, ahead. So that's it's going to be a great show. Wow! Yeah, it'll be great. Um, and there and there is more, of course. Uh, and so, where can people find your schedule online? Well, online, you can go to my website, uh, gingercommodore.com. Um, there's always a list of where I'm performing. I'm pretty good at keeping up on Facebook um, uh, where my performances are. Uh, so um, those are generally um, the best places to find me. And uh, where can people find you, recordings of you? Well, actually, uh, um, I'm probably out <laughs> out of recordings i i'm not as much into youtube and that there are some some things on youtube so you can look me up there there are some of my mostly holiday things i think and uh, i think this will probably be the year that i uh, do a couple of of uh, new recordings so look for that i would say late fall um some new things should be available that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. And with that great news, we will take it out. And I just want to say thank you so much, Ginger, for agreeing to be on the show. As I said, it's a real honor. And um, I have a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you this evening. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it, too. See you soon. Yes. Take care. All righty. Thanks. 
A big thanks to Ginger for sharing her voice and musical journey with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist, radio voice extraordinaire, and to you, dear listener, for tuning in to Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have a splendid day. Thank you.